This episode is dedicated to the memory of podcaster and fellow collective member, Charlie Esser. Charlie, we didn't know each other, but I did enjoy listening to you. Rest in peace. Welcome back to Resurrections, and Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. And we are just about at the end of our Wilderness Years episode, so there should be one more coming out after this one, and that's it. But we're not done yet. We still have a couple more issues of the Silver Surfer to finish with the Soul Gems. And in case you haven't listened to the last three episodes where we talked about the Silver Surfer... We got Ren back, because Ren's been here for the first three ones, so why would they not come back for this one? I mean, that'd be just kind of ridiculous. Hey, Ren, what's going on? Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to talk some cosmic stuff. Absolutely, yeah. With the fantastic, well, I guess two and a half. Yes, story. Because these issues have Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, and Tattletail, a.k.a. Franklin. Yep. Agreed, uh, Franklin Richards. I'm always disappointed when he goes out and does stuff and doesn't put on his power pack costume. Yeah, the same. This will be our final episode talking about this early run of the Silver Surfer. We're going to be talking about issues 15 through 19 today. Written by Steve Englehart. Art by a few uh, few people, including Ron Lim. This is actually Ron Lim's, I believe, one of his first wor- first works for Marvel. Yeah, I noticed, like, we're going to get into this, but it, the credits say introduce you to the monthly magic of Ron Lim pencilers. Yeah, and he will stay on this title for a while. Yep. Because, I mean, he's going to be on through Infinity Gauntlet issues, and that's, like, in the 50s. So, yeah. Kind of funny. I oh, Sorry. sorry. I was going to say, I don't think he does every issue, but he's here for a lot. He's going to be doing a lot of them, the bulk. Now, by the way, real quick, if anyone is looking for more information on this run of the Silver Surfer, I would recommend going to Tomorrow, either going to your comic store or going to the Tomorrow's website and looking for back issue number 135, which is all about the Silver Surfer, including a nice article about this run. I actually didn't know that. Yep. I just found it the other day, and I read it a little bit, including the fact that I wonder if they didn't want Englehart on anymore because they told Engle when Englehart leaves, he was told he said he was told that they didn't want to do continuing stories. They just wanted there was new owners for Marvel and they just or new editors and they just wanted one and done stories that didn't really have any impact. Okay. So they weren't serialized. Yeah, and but you know who comes on after him, right? Is the writer? Yeah, Ron Mars. No, Jim Starlin. Oh. Jim Starlin is a writer from Silver Surfer, like 34 to 50. And that's hmm. where the whole setup for Infinity Gauntlet comes. So basically, it's like, okay, wait, 
the reason he left and the person who replaced him that doesn't seem to that doesn't seem to jive. Yeah. So I wonder if somebody at Marvel wanted to get rid of Inglehart because the reason I mean, unless things changed between him leaving and them getting Starlin, like behind the scenes, the reason they gave him does not sound like Yeah, yeah, it does sound suspicious, especially I actually have a page here. Here. It says uh then he, this is in quotes from Steve Englehart. The new editor-in-chief told me they were looking to mer- looking more to merchandising than stories going forward, that the books would sell no matter who wrote or drew them, and so the books should be standardized. On the surfer, I was told to go back to the one issue counting for Chalabal motif. So like, That's a strange thing, given, like, from what I understand, like, the surfer was always kind of a serialized book, like, even, like, back to the... Like Stanley John Bush Samus issues, like yeah, but also like that does not sound at all like what Starlin did. So it's one of two things: either someone want, I mean, one of I have sorry, three things. I'm guessing one, someone wanted to get rid of Steve Englehart and lied to him, whether it's because they want rather have Starlin on there and they thought they can get him back, or because they just want to get rid of him. Two. Something behind the scenes changed between Starlin leaving and Star- I mean, sorry, between Inglehart leaving and Starlin coming in the book. Or three, Starlin just didn't give a damn, and they told him that went, yeah, that's nice. I'm going to write what I want to write anyway. I mean, that that sounds kind of like him. Like he, mm-hmm. they, like, some, some accounts, he just kind of does does stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of stories about the old uh, Warlock series where he would like put send it in so late or like just late enough that basically all they had time to do was send it to printing. So they couldn't, you know, adjust what he put in there. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense given what he did. So I don't know what happened, but that's one little tidbit you can get from this issue. Plus there's also like a lot of things on the early, on all the early surfer one shots that came out before that issue. Hmm. You know, like the, the San Lee Mobius two issue miniseries and the, the graphic novel that came out like, like 78, which is like a re- by Lee and Kirby, which is like a retelling of the surfer's origin, but without, without the fantastic four. Yeah. Cause there was hopes of maybe doing it like doing it like as a movie. So they wanted to have yeah, something that they can fact, use like reference. In fact, there's like a character in there who is basically, was basically like a, Olivia Newton-John, basically a character who was going to be played by Olivia Newton-John in the movie. Something was said about that, yes. I haven't finished reading it yet, but rarely, if ever, been disappointed by the series back issue. Oh, yeah. Oh, and here's one other thing real quick before we go on. Apparently, they originally were told they could not have the Surfer escape Earth. And Uh so... They wrote and drew, and John Buscema was their artist. Drew the first, did the first issue where the surfer does not get off of Earth. It just was, you know, I guess that was going to be a different run for the series. And in fact, that issue, since it was done already, was actually printed in Marvel Fanfare number fifty-one. Oh, and then they decided to change it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Let's see. Um, let's see. According to Steve Englehart. My first comment to Jim Shooter about after talking about Stan was that the surfer needed to get off Earth. 
they beat in that situation to death. But Sir Shooter said no. I wrote and John Basima drew a first issue of The Surfer on Earth. Then out of the blue, Shooter called and said he changed his mind. So we started over. Oh. So, yeah, this story has the Surfer facing off against Kree warriors who were attacking cities on Earth, as well as Mephisto and Mangog, and featured appearances by Namor, Johnny Storm, Alicia Masters, Doctor Strange, Mantis, with the original skin tone, not the green, and her son Sprout. Oh, so like Engelhard wrote like that whole story and then he had to scrape it. And then Busima drew it, apparently. And then they were told, nope, we can do it. You can do what you want to do. Uh, and I guess for whatever reason, maybe Busima could not stay on anymore for the title. Uh, but if you or anyone wants to read that, apparently it's for the most part printed in Marvel Fanfare number 51. And I don't think more. I think for the most part, Marvel fanfare is probably stuff that is probably in dollar bins. With a few rare exceptions, I'm sure. Just want to mention that. And now. Let's drop. Let's put the synopsis in here for all the issues. And then we're going to get started with Silver Surfer 15. Silver Surfer issues 15 to 19. Writer Steve Englehart. Pencils Ron Lim. Inkers, Joe Rubenstein and Keith Williams. Colors, Tom Vincent. Letters, Kim Brusniak. Cover art, Ron Lim and Joe Rubenstein. Editor, Craig Anderson. Cover dated September 1988 to January 1989. On sale date, May to September 1988. Cover price, $1 each. You can find some or all of these issues reprinted in Nova, number 136 to 140, a 1989 French reprint. Silver Surfer, issues 16 and 17, a 1991 Italian reprint. Essential Silver Surfer, volume 2, from 2007. Silver Surfer, Epic Collection, volume 4, Parable, from 2022. And Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited and other digital comic sites. Issue 15, 3 into nothing goes... The Silver Surfer brings Mr. Fantastic, the Invisible Woman, and Franklin Richards to Galactus to help save his life. The three enter the black hole in order to find the lost soul gems, the only thing that can help Galactus. They locate the gems, but they are controlled by the elders of the universe. They battle until Sue offers to bargain for the soul gems with the traitor. He agrees to a deal, and Sue shoots the Silver Surfer in the head. The gems are exchanged for the unconscious Surfer, and Sue has once again become Malice. Issue 16, Malice, a four thought. After being traded to the elders of the universe for the soul gems by a malice-possessed invisible woman, the Silver Surfer is now their slave. However, Reed convinces the elders that they are not immortal in this magic realm, and they need the Silver Surfer in order to return back to their home dimension. The elders release the Surfer in exchange for their help in escaping. Reed and the Surfer track down Sue and fight her in order to regain control of the soul gems. During the fight, Reed is possessed by one of the gems, which is later revealed to be under the control of the in-betweener. Issue 17, Resurrection. Oh, good title. The in-betweener reveals that he has formed an alliance with the possessor, astronomer, and traitor to leave the magic realm and destroy Galactus. They strand the Silver Surfer, Mr. Fantastic, and the Invisible Woman within the magic realm and travel through the black hole with the power of the soul gems. They find Galactus, but the in-betweener realizes that he can't kill Galactus in this reality. Instead, he decides to send him through the black hole to die. The elders protest this plan, but the in-betweener commands death to kill them. Meanwhile, in the magic realm, 
The Silver Surfer, Mr. Fantastic, and the Invisible Woman contact Master Order and Lord Chaos to help them return to their home reality so they can stop the Inbetweener. The two entities expel the Elders from Galactus' body, which revives the World Eater. He declares that the Inbetweener must die. Issue 18, Heavyweights. Galactus returns from the Magic Realm and quickly attacks the Inbetweener. The two fight to death as everyone else watches from the side. Franklin Richards tries to help by finding the ultimate nullifier, but the Invisible Woman stops him before he can get it. The Silver Surfer and the Elders of the Universe help Nova in sending the two battling cosmic beings back through the black hole and into the magic realm. Once there, Lord Chaos and Master Order attack the Inbetweener and make him disappear. Everyone returns to their home reality content in their victory. Issue 19, Playing with Matches. After the battle of the Inbetweener, everyone parts ways. The Elders of the Universe disappear, Nova sets off to find a planet for Galactus, and the Silver Surfer brings the Richards family back to Earth. After his trip to Earth, the Surfer tracks down Nova. Their reunion is quickly interrupted by an attack from Fire Lord and Eros. The Surfer quickly defeats Fire Lord, but is shocked to see Nova, whose emotions have been manipulated by Eros, rush to Fire Lord's aid and comfort him with a kiss. Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Spanning from the first issue of Who's Who in 1985 all the way through the Loose Leaf edition. Including all the updates, the spinoffs, custom Who's Who pages for forgotten characters, and tons of in-depth character spotlights. Entries span from the golden age of DC. And into the extreme 1990s. Covering characters such as Superman by Kurt Swan and John Byrne. The Justice League by Kevin McGuire. Batman by Dick Giordano. The New Titans by Tom Grummet. Wonder Woman by George Perez. The Legion of Superheroes by Keith Giffen. The Flash by Carmine Infantino. Lobo by Simon Bisley. The All-Star Squadron by Jerry Ordway. Firestorm by Al Milgram. Aquaman by Chuck Patton. So many entries talking about Ian Carcool. The Forever People again and again and again. And hundreds and hundreds of other characters found in Who's Who, the definitive podcast of the DC Universe. Available wherever you find podcasts and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Nuclear man, Batman, Hawkman, 2D man, and our man. Who are all these people, man? They're all part of the DC. Who's who? And we're back after the synopsis and probably a promo. Silver Surfer 15. And as you can see on the cover, we got Reed and Sue flying with the surfer through what looks like a Dicko dimension. Yeah. Cover by Ron Lim and Joe Rubenstein. As this issue introduces uh, everyone to the art of Ron Lim. Yep, the monthly magic. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is the person that I first was re- drawing the surfer when I first read him. So this is what the surfer is in my mind. Just recently, I read um, Silver Surfer Rebirth, which, you know, Ron Lim did and then Ron Mars wrote. So I do have that. No, I think I read that. That's right. It no, was, I, haven't, it, I haven't read it yet. It was pretty good. There's kind of a neat scene where the surfer encounters like other versions of the surfer that were drawn by like you know kirby busema mobius and then mike allred this this kind of a neat scene i think i posted it on twitter but yeah oh that's cool i'll have to go back i have to go check i have to make sure i read that i bought it i just haven't had a chance to read it yet 
Yep. So the surfer is, you know, he sort of like they get right to the point. The surfer is just crashing them as they're playing badminton, I think. Yeah, it looks like the little shuttlecock, as it's called. Yeah. And they're all dressed appropriately for that. I mean, Sue has like a whole badminton outfit on. <laughs> and then Reed is and he's just wearing like business casual. Is his sleeves are even rolled up? Yeah. Now, it says here, by the way, early on this is a second page. It, the surfer tells them, I have just been advised telepathically by Nova, Frankie Ray, the human torch's erstwhile romantic friend. You know, just in case everyone just picked this issue up without realizing. Galactus is dying as asked urgently for us, as seen in Silver Surfer Annual number one. Now, I looked at Silver Surfer Annual one. It's not in the main story. There's like oh. a four or five page backup story about Nova basically flying back and finding Galactus sick. Ah. Uh, and Galactus I is like, get Sue Richards. I, I was wondering about that because, like, I distinctly remember, like, that that's not how, like, the last issue ended. So I was a little bit confused. Yeah. Yeah. Last issue ended with, uh, he was going towards Earth, and last issue ends with him goes into the annual but hasn't that nothing to do with us that's the evolutionary war crossover although this is where the super scroll comes back oh oh yeah yeah shows up later yeah because he had been gone for a while he had been dead but he got better (laughs) it happens it's comics yeah so it also had you know it's the first chapter of evolutionary war and it's one of the backup stories but like i said it's like five pages or something like that it's just galactus saying I don't feel so good. I should not have eaten those elders. Oh, my stomach. Get Sue Richards. She's like, it was like, Reed Richards? Like, Sue. Yeah, Reed too. Bring him too. He's helpful. But yeah, definitely I need Sue. And that's Uh, really it. Okay, yeah. Okay, that explains a lot, like, especially, like, later on in this particular story. I like how quickly they're convinced to go. They're like, hold on, hold on. We're here to have a normal life. Yeah, we can go out to hell. Yeah, they even like bring uh, Franklin Richards along. Maybe it's because like, he's he's very powerful, so maybe that's why. But like, well, I, I guess it's also like, hey, he's our kid. This is educational. You're going to space. You're going to see stuff. You know, you meet Galactus. Hey, it never hurts to have friends. Okay, yeah. I do find it fun. It's like, oh, okay, let's take the kid too. What the hell? Give yeah. him a thrill. He's been attacked by enough supervillains. Let's have him have some benefits of having superpower parents. So they put their costumes on. They get the. Uh, they fly off the surfer to uh, find Galact- the Galactus's base. And yeah, basically he looks like he got dared to eat too many hot chili peppers and is regretting it now. Like like the power cosmic is just like pouring out of him. Yeah, he's bleeding Kirby Crackle. Yeah. The cool image. Oh, yeah. It's kind of an interesting choice here. Like, they don't have word balloons for when Galactus is speaking. Like, he, like it looks like kind of like uh, narration. Yeah, and I don't always see that. Even with Galactus, that's usually, that most of the time seemed to have been reserved for, like, the Living Tribunal. Yeah. Like, At I least suppose, in my like, experience. I suppose it's, like, an indication that this is, like, a very serious thing. Yeah, it's almost like he's not, he's losing his form 
So he's not even speaking like he would normally with word balloons. He's you know, it's just almost like telepathic, you know, or maybe telepathic. But the thing here is the page that has the nine panel grid. When they first show up to see Galactus and he's talking to them. There's more of this stuff here. I don't know if they realized what they were doing or not about like kind of setting up the infinity, the, the soul gems to be the infinity gems. Because he's oh, telling right. them, you know, he's saying, hey, these elders are not sitting well. Um, you know, you just get the soul gems back and there go. You have to go through the black hole to the alternate dimension it sends them to. It says there is one gem that will steal souls. Only one. So it's like all of a sudden, what, out of all the soul gems? So it's like, wait, these are all soul gems. So at first it almost seemed like they were all identical. You know, they all do the same thing. And now it seems like we're slightly getting into, well, this one does something different than the others. Yeah, it didn't occur to me, but yeah, that's true. And that's why he wanted Sue there, because like you can't touch it, because if you touch that, you'll lose your soul. But Sue can just, you know, force field him. Nova's going to stay behind with Galactus and watch Franklin while the surfer, or Silverado, <laughs> as she calls him, is going to yeah. go read and sue into that alternate dimension. Yeah, so they go, yeah, so great uh, little panel where they go through the black hole and, you know, through the event horizon and everything. Oh, that's so, that's so crazy. Like, they, you know, they're flying around and everything turns black and like, they're just completely adrift in it. Yep. And then they kind of enter through, like you said earlier, Ditko type dimension. And then sure enough, yeah, it's very, a very like Ditko style dimension with all the, you know, the pathways, the bubbles, the floating rocks. Yeah. Random things like a random floating eye. But looks like a looks like a window in the bottom. Looks like you know, I'm waiting for like Rod Serling to talk about the Twilight Zone in, in there. Yeah, exactly. It's like just go nuts with all the shapes. Have fun, Ron. And they're in this other dimension. And at least they have the surfer there, so he can track these gems because he's been, you know, he can find almost anything that he's been in touch with already. He's like super track. That's one power you forget about the surfer. He's like super tracker. Yeah. It really ever, like, comes up. Actually, the funny thing is they even mention it. Reed Richards says, it looks like the mystical universe Doctor Strange has described. Oh. <laughs> yeah, they even, like, invoke that. Yeah, so they're pretty much pointing it out there. He goes to look, and we get our first hint that there's something wrong, as, because, I mean, this is, it's drawn very brightly. You know, it's very, you know, you can tell this is very, you know, very bright color, bright universe. And what does Sue say? He's amazing, isn't he, Reed? Following a trail weeks old through such a dark universe. <laughs> yeah, that was strange to me. I, I, I guess, like, what she means is, like, it's kind of dark and weird, but, like, yeah, it's kind of... Even, even like, next next issue, like, dark? Looks quite luminous to me. Yeah, and that, that's, the, that's the kind of hint that there's something wrong with her, and then you'll see something, you know, and Reed, too. Oh, with this yeah. universe. As we're going to get into the uh, people who, the entities who rule this universe. But first of all, they track it down to a planet and they find the possessor. And he's protected by a whole bunch of like hulking alien creatures who apparently know enough to talk, but have not, you know, and they have built, they have buildings. So they've been on that. 
but whether it's because of the you know they don't have not developed any kind of modesty or they the the and or the climate is too perfect, they have not developed clothing. Oh yeah, because they're only clothed in convenient shadow. <laughs> I did. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, <laughs> they're running around naked. Naked. And then they they like hide like they're. You know, they hide their uh, private areas very well. All these. Oh, yeah. Those convenient shadows are very help, are very good clothing. <laughs> but, of course, it doesn't matter when you have someone who can make invisible force fields and just, you know, shove everyone away. Yep, so. That's, that's what Sue does. So. And they get the possessor to talk about what happened. They call him the tailor. He's like, they call you the tailor. He's like, no tailer as in the one who tells tales which makes sense because it's like you're not much of a tailor they're all naked <laughs> apparently when they got kicked over there it was the astronomer the possessor and the trader they decided to try and get the jewels back so they can use them to get back home and they landed on this planet and to trade for the soul gem that the people had there the astronomer and the trader well sold these people the possessor oh <laughs> It's like, well, you're not really useful. You only know stuff about the other universe. The astronomer knows how to do astronomy. He can, you still, that's still useful here. The, the trader can trade for the stuff we need, but you, nah, you don't do anything. So, tell you what, let's sell you. <laughs> that's such a, that's, that's a hilarious scene. Or like, just shows to go show again. These elders are just jerks. Yeah, they're they're all petty. They're just petty and childish and selfish. Yeah. I mean, think about the obliterator. Once he can't kill anybody, he just, like, you know, becomes like a little crying baby. This reduced to, like, you know, nothing. Like, I mean, I guess it's working out okay enough for the possessor. He's like, hey, I'm telling the stories. They're loving it. You know, I'm a hit. I'm treated awesome here. And then they just, you know, they just leave after that because he didn't have anything useful. So they head out. And they find they find pretty quickly they find the other two elders. And oh yeah, don't waste time here. It's like the next page, it's like oh we found them, and they have all six of the gems. Just uh, to go back a little bit, there is an allusion to that time Sue became. If I forget the name, like she malice. was. Like, so what? Malice, malice. Yeah. Yeah, and, and not the that. malice from the X from the X Men. No. Not the ex, not the, not the, not the one who ruled the marauders, was in charge of the marauders and possessed Polaris. This is a different malice. Yeah. Like she was taken over by the hate monger and then that's why she started going by the invisible woman after that whole thing happened. That's right. Yeah. I think that was about the time. That's about the time. I believe you're right. But yeah, basically this is like dark Sue. Yeah, so that becomes very important later. Yes, you're right. I'm glad you remember that, because I skipped that. But yeah, so they find them, and the trader has all six of the gems in a special... What does he call it? They are attached to my biological aura on a by a body cage, which can only be removed through my death, and I cannot die. But that doesn't matter, because Sue attacks... And she's doing pretty viciously, too, attacking. She's like, I'll see if you can die. 
And then she does this cool trick with the astronomer. I like that, where she makes his arms and legs invisible. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you don't think about it. I mean, it looks so weird. It's like, imagine if your arms and legs just vanished. Like, you could feel them, but you don't know what they're doing. Like, you can't really see them. Um, I don't know if you watched the show um, Venture Brothers. There's a character exactly like that. He, it's called Phantom Limb. He doesn't have any arms. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's... Yeah, that's, that's kind of what it reminds me of a little bit. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Oof. She basically, after beating the astronomer, she's basically telling the traitor, you know, he's like, I'm not going to give them up. He's like, well, you're a traitor. Come on, let's make a deal. And Trey's like, well, there's only really one thing here that has any well uh, value approaching the gems. And Sue turns to the surfer and a gun appears in her hand and she shoots him right in the face. He's like, OK, you can have the surfer. And then it's grandly revealed, like, she is, in fact, uh, Malice. Yeah. Again. Dun, dun, dun. And reads out, yeah, reads out, too. So she's the only one who's conscious. It's like, damn. And that shot where she shoots him, that's pretty cool. I like that look. Yeah, that's a great shot. It looks a bit like what what was happening with Galactus. Like, you see all that power cosmic in his eyes and mouth. Yeah. Right. And the trailer's like, okay, have the gems. The traitor just, like, folds pretty quickly when he realizes that. They are also obsessed with their things, so, you know, she made him a deal. Yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a uh, cliffhanger. The Invisible Woman Turned Traitor. And so we go on to issue 16. Yep. Um, so, sure enough, we get, you know, Sue fighting Reed and then the Silver Surfer coming in. Yep, bashing through the wall. And they're not just fighting. I mean, she's punching him right in the face. Little, like, red, like that red energy around her, too. Yeah, with all the gems inside of it. And this is another Ron Lynn, Joe Rubenstein cover. On um, the first page, like, you mentioned, like, she has no connection to the mouse of the X-Men. Yeah. They have that note on, underneath the, underneath the uh, credits for this issue. She has no connection to Malice of the Marauders, currently appearing in X-Men. I didn't even see it when I read that. Oh, my God. I missed that completely. No, I just noticed that now. I <laughs> Because they have, like, a like a, like a star, like, what's it called? Like, a asterisk there. And then I yeah. have to. And then I was trying to find out, wait, wait, where's the, oh, and then it's, like, at the very, very bottom. Oh, that makes sense, because, I mean, this is 88. Let me see the cover date. Hold on. This is October 88. So this is just after Mutant Massacre. Oh, okay. So, and I believe Malice first appeared around those issues of the Mutant Massacre, because that's when the Marauders first appeared. Okay, so they probably didn't want the readers to get... Okay. Yeah, so the Sue is Malice was a few years ago, obviously. Because this is during the run when Steve Englehart's writing Fantastic Four, and Sue and Reed are out of it, so we're talking the early 300s. Okay, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I remember, like, they left during the Englehart run. Yeah, because the team was, what, it was uh, The Thing, Human Torch, Crystal, and Ms. Marvel. Not that Ms. Marvel, and not that Ms. Marvel. Yeah, Sharon Ventura. The Sharon Ventura Ms. Marvel, who would become, who would also be turned to a thing during that run. Yeah, there's even, like, a brief appearance of, like, the pint, I'll, I'll get to it probably later. Yeah, there's oh, you mean there, there's a brief appearance of them at some point in this run. Yeah. yeah. There's like a quick cameo of them flying somewhere. 
But yeah, so if that's in the 300s, and if this was 280 when she first became Malice, that was like two, three years before this. Yeah, so... Yeah, so she, she predates the other Malice. But yeah, Sue has the ship and the gems, and she's decided to head back on her own. And, and she's going to head back to kill Galactus herself. Or actually, no, I'm sorry, just leave him to die. Yeah, and that, yeah, it says right here, yeah. Like, now fly away and let Galactus die. <laughs> evil laugh. Evil laugh. <laughs> Meanwhile, we have the surfer stuck with the elders. <laughs> yeah, they have him in a body case. Yeah, so he's trapped to the traitor, attached to the traitor. And he's like, I can just drag, I can just fly through space and near light speed and dragging you until you beg me to set you free. He's like, but because of that whole body cage, you can't really do anything with the surfboard unless the elder lets him out. So basically, he can't touch the board, so therefore he has no connection to it. Doesn't have his connection to it. And basically, Reed helps uh, outsmart them <laughs> using logic. Yeah, like, literally says, they can die in this realm. But he's like, this is not the realm of eternity and death. So you might be able to die. You probably could die here. The surfer can kill you. But he also, you know, unless you let him go, he can't get you out. That's why you guys want to get out of here so desperately. Because you know you can die. Yeah, it's, it's such like a read, like, kind of resolution. Like, just kind of describing it in, like, purely logical terms. That I would understand. Yeah. And I like the, the traitor still trying to... I like the traitor in that one panel when Reed's... The top panel on this page when Reed's explaining everything. And you have, like, the, old, the traitor's arms, like... After images, he's just like flailing about. Yeah, yeah, he probably has that kind of voice. The entity, which is which is death, refuses to accept the elders into our domain. That's a silver well, silver well, silver well yeah. knows. Yeah, a, I mean, is it just me? Or are you picturing Gilbert Godfrey as his voice? Uh, I was thinking more, uh, like I think of, like. But yeah, maybe a little bit of Gilbert Godfrey. Um, but at least that, like type, that type of voice. Yeah, that kind of like shrill, kind of like high-pitched voice, yeah. Yeah, high-pitched whiner. But yeah, the Sharmer's like, give it up. He's figured it out. You let the surfer go. We'll, we'll, free, we'll bring you back and free you after we save my wife. And I like that the, the trader's like, I don't know. And the astronomer says, we accept. And there's this wordless panel. You could just imagine he's like bouncing around with anger. Kind of like <laughs> a Yosemite Sam type of like cursing and, you know, cursing so fast that, you know, it would get past the comics code or the censors. Yeah, that's kind of like the, like, that's kind of like, like an anime, like, or a manga panel where a character is just angry and irritated. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Like, it's it's all emotion right there. It's not telling you exact... You know, you're not seeing exactly what happened. You're seeing the emotional version of it. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. It, you know what? It's funny. They actually... Makes sense, because actually, the, the one thing in the article it said when they brought Ron Lim in is that Ron Lim was more of a... as a bit of a manga-influenced artist. Not just, you yeah. know, Western comics-influenced. Yeah, that's something like... I've only seen like a few examples, but you could kind of see it throughout like the like it's more like like not so much in this issue, but like maybe in like a lot of his later work. 
Yeah, and all, I mean, it makes sense that you're not going to see it as much, let's say, because like in 1988, you could have some influence, but you still had to you still had to do it a certain way. It's yeah, not like a decade cool. later when, let's say, Joe Maduera started drawing where he could just do a full on or almost full on manga influence in the X-Men and be accepted. Yeah. OK, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah it's still the you know house style. Exactly. He still has to draw. He still has to draw a certain way. Now he could do things like that panel, which was probably an influence on that. And put, but that's that, that's the part. That's what he could do. But could you imagine if someone like Joe Maguire tried drawing this in '88, but drawing it in the style he drew ten years later? It, yeah. It probably he'd be kicked yeah. off the book in a month or two if it didn't get canceled. Yeah. It wasn't the right time for it. Yep, but after yeah. his. <laughs> Probably, you know, freak out. He trader accepts the deal, and they let the surfer go, and the surfer and Reed go off to uh, get Sue. Yep, and then, but like secretly, the astronomer and the trader they like shake their hands. Yeah, they're they're fr- they're so thrilled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're happy about this. But as we talk, we can see Reed and Reed and the surfer are talking and. Reed's like, everything here, this is all very logical. It's like, and I can see logically that I'm going too logical. And Sue is going, you know, me and Sue are going into, you know, two different, you know, emotional directions. I'm so, I'm going purely logical and she's going purely emotional. It's an interesting discussion, like, especially since, like, they are, especially since, like, you know, Reed is often, you know, caricatured as someone who is, like, uncaring. Mm Mm-hmm. So he's kind of trying to like figure it all out, but yeah, they're they're guessing that it has to do with the the gods and the, the the ones who rule this place instead of death and eternity. It's chaos and order, and then the being in between, the in betweener. Yes, so it looks like that's maybe not it's not logic and emotion, but it's more like Sue is going towards chaos, which makes more sense. She's not being emotional, but she's being very chaotic. Yeah, and Reed is being very you know falling under the sway of order. Yeah, even oh, like this little surfer here says, order and chaos are more dynamic. Eternity and death coexist reasonably peacefully, but the third force, Galactus, need to keep them from falling into stasis. But order and chaos have created their own third force, the so-called in-betweener, to further their eternal conflict. Although it is interesting that they're showing order and chaos as like existing in this other universe with the in-betweener when. They first appeared in the Marvel 2 in 1 annual. Sorry, no, I think it was in the Avengers annual. It's in one of those two annuals by Starla, the Avengers annual 7 and Marvel 2 1 annual, where Warlock and Thanos die. Oh, they they're narrating it. In fact, they're the ones that get Spider Man involved. In oh, the right, right. Now I remember. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. So, I mean, they first appear there, and the Inbetweener is was supposed to be the one in the Starlin Warlock run that was going to change him into the Magus. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, if you ever read that run, that's who was going to change, war- affect Warlock that's going to put him into the cocoon and send him back in time, and eventually when he comes out of that cocoon, he would be the Magus. Oh. So, that's the only thing here. Like, like I said before about the Soul Gems, I'm seeing the stuff that's kind of whether it's a planned or not, is kind of setting the stage for what Starlin will do with them. But this is a little. This is the part I'm still not sure how it how it jives because 
from those previous stories, it seemed like order and chaos and the in-betweener were part of the regular Marvel reality. And here yeah. they have them in an alternate one. It's separate, rea- a different reality. It's a kind of a strange... When did the in-betweener first appear? I think it might have been that Warlock issue. Oh. Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. Give me a sec. Let me double check. I mean, he's always a jerk. Order and chaos can be fine, depending on the story, but... Yeah. The in-betweener, always... A, he's a, he's up there with the elders. In-betweener. Let us see. Yep, first appearance, Warlock number nine. Oh. Hmm. I'm not sure how that works. I'll have to read further stuff and go on, or maybe somebody can write in and let us know how they know how this jives with what was done before. They probably explain, like, usually they, like, explain stuff like this, so. Yeah, hopefully. Just not in these issues, but that's fine. We can go, I can go with it. So they finally catch up with Sue's ship, although she shoots them, because while Galactus did not make it, make it for speed, he did make it for, it was designed by Galactus for security. So it does have weapons. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that Galactus probably would come up with something like that. And here's the part where apparently Sue thinking the realm is dark. Like I said, whatever is going off chaos is affecting her, including eyesight, because she thinks this whole realm is dark. And I think she literally means dark because what they do is have the surfer make a blinding light. So in that darkness, it's going to be, even more, you know, all of a sudden even more shocking to her. Yeah, this, this is a really great, like. Yeah, that full page. Full page, yep. Really great, like, really good use of shadows. Kind of like how, like, Greed and the Surfer are, like, outlined in it. Yeah, and all of Sue you can see is just the shadow, and the ship is just in black and white. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's almost like it's almost like they got, like, future, you know, Frank Miller from when he was doing Sin City to draw that page. Yeah, it looks very Frank Miller-like. That's a cool page. And after a quick fight, well, actually, maybe not that quick. And so, you know, Sue has the six soul gems. And right in the middle of the fight, all of a sudden, we get a quick cameo by the by both things, the Human Torch and Dr. Doom. Yep, and it's the Pinecone thing. Yep, so this is after him and Sharon went through the Cosmic Rays again, and they both got affected, because she's a thing, too. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, he's the, yeah, the Pinecone, <laughs> the Pinecone. I've heard pineapple, but pine cone is even more appropriate, actually, I think. Yeah, it looks like a more like a pine cone, like But now we have a different turn because Reed gets hit by one of the soul gems and attaches to his head. And he is now possessed. And while he fights the surfer, Sue is trying to control the ship. Because even though, you know, she's still possessed, she's not crazy. She's like, I don't want to yeah. die. But yeah, we find out because Reed's body, you know, the person who was possessing Reed comes out. We find out he's being possessed by the in-betweener. I can see why Englehart would not want to stop and continue stories because that's what he's doing. Yeah. And this is, you know, it's fun. This is kind of what we were talking about the other episode. We're like the first run, like the first 12 issues are a continued story. But with the exception of like the last two, they all, for the most part, each issue was its own story. And now this one is like very much a continued, you know, 15 flows into 16 is flowing into 17, you know, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, it's like it's a lot more serialized. 
Yeah. And that's kind of what we were talking about. It's like, do what works for your story. If what you want to do is better as single issue stories, do those. And then if you, you know, don't try and make a single issue story into a six parter. And on the other hand, if you have a story that works more sense as part one, part two, part three, part four, do that. This is cool. I I like the fight with, you know, Reed his just the I I love the Inbetweeners ranting. He's just full of himself. Yeah. Try to destroy me, but I can never fully die, or I can never fully live. The opposing forces, all the forces of the universe, meet wherever I am. I am the in betweener. Like, uh, this this jackass. <laughs> all right, anything else on sixteen, or is it time to go to seventeen? I think it's time to go to seventeen. Woo-hoo. I really like these kinds of like covers, like. It seems like the classical kind of Marvel cover. It's like we have the the elders, we have the in betweener and the missing elders. Like we have all of this in this one issue. Yeah, Lord Chaos and Master Order, and they even have Death as the little face in the uh, not the corner box, but the U- instead of the UPC symbol. That's, that's a nice touch. And it's realizing, yeah, in fifteen it was Galactus's face. Yeah, and then. In 18, it's going back to the the Spider-Man. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and 16 is also Galactus. And let me see real quick. Let me jump ahead. 19 is Captain Reptile. Oh. <laughs> I'm reading on Marvel Unlimited, so that's not something that was changed at some point. That was obviously on the original issues, since that's what you have. Yep. Yeah, that was for the ones that was... These were the, obviously the... Uh, you obviously have the uh, comic direct market versions. I talked to you before we started recording. I got all of these in physical form from my uh, comic shop when I when I went there on Wednesday. So nice. Yep. So I, I'm like sitting and I'm reading them in the in their physical form. So I can see like everything, like the ads. There's even like letters pages. I think oh, they started man. putting letters pages at the end of these. So uh, the letters pages were fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I always like the best part of reading any of these old comics is the, you know, looking at the letters pages and seeing like what they thought back then. It's funny to see what people like wanted or complained about. I remember people early, like early, some early X-Men issues I had where people complained about Wolverine. Oh, I remember there's a letter I read in new early issues of New Mutants where someone's complaining, saying you're ruining this all. What you need to do is get rid of these stupid kids. Put store everyone, all these losers in the X-Men and the New Mutants and bring back the original five in X-Men. And then you'll finally have real books. <laughs> like, well, yeah. you know what you like. But yeah, unfortunately, you're swimming against the tide here. It's always like, yeah, something like that. Like, they're always kind of talking about, like, it should be better. It should be what we used to read. But sometimes letter pages can be fun. I remember some letters pages, like, would be talking more about, like, like the Starman letters pages have like different books. You know, they say we're reading this right now. You know, they recommend books and stuff. Oh, I believe yeah. Danny O'Neill would do that in the question too. And I remember, uh, was it? Now it's a little unfortunate to talk about this one because of the the writer, but the Wonder Man series, written by somebody we will not name. I think that's another hint. The letters okay. page in there. I remember there was a couple issues where somebody brought it came up somehow, and there was a whole debate about. The names of the characters from Gilligan's Island. Oh. <laughs> not like, was this, you know, like, wait, which one, not like which one was the skipper, but like, what was the skipper's name? 
we know it was Thirsty How- Thurston Howell III, but what was his light wife's name? He just called her Lovey. And it's like it's the stupid things that sick of you. I can still remember the answers that everyone figured out. Know, somebody, you know, people have checked out and were able to find the answers, and I still can remember then the names of all the real names of the characters from Gilligan's Island because of that stupid letters page. I know there's like a debate, like the Gilligan's Island, like Gilligan's first name, apparently. Uh, Willie, Willie Gilligan. Uh, Willie. <laughs> Let's see if I remember now. Willie Gilligan, Skipper Jonas Grumby. Thurston Howell III, his wife, Lovey Howell, that was her actual name, uh. Professor Roy Hinckley, Marianne, Sumber- Marianne Summers, apparently no relation to Scott, uh. <laughs> and Ginger Grant. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I can understand why they don't have as many letters pages now. I mean, why would you have that when you could, you know, people could be online the next day talking about it with, you know, yeah, or like Twitter and everything. Like emails directly. Yeah. Although I know in Immortal Hulk did have letters pages. Yeah, like some do. Like I, I know like the some of like the last League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, like the last volume that had some letters pages. Yeah. And I know even in fact, Immortal Hulk, even on Unlimited, they have the letters because they don't always have the letters pages on Unlimited for these issues. But for yeah. Immortal Hulk, they do. They have the letters pages. I should still get Immortal Hulk. I've been trying to find like, like the like a good omnibus, but the best I got was like an omnibus that turned out to be like a really small paperback. Oh, like yeah, so it's not an omnibus. Yeah, so I, I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, well, definitely worth a read. I read the whole thing. That, I read that thing. That was a great series. I definitely will. I've I've heard like great things about it over the years. I really dug it. But anyway, back to Silver Surfer. We had our contractually obligated digression. <laughs> <laughs> and back to issue seventeen, resurrection. Yep, so I got their um the in betweener there. Yep, and the surfer, whatever he does, it doesn't matter. It's not hurting him. Because I am everything, for I am nothing. I am a concept of concepts. He's just like he's, he's being so like obtuse, like just he's like a. It's almost like he's a parody of those kind of cosmic entities. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, come on, I am a concept of concepts. My universe of dualities affects humans severely. Like he just says. Things like that, like yeah, she surrendered to the call of chaos, and he to the summons of order. I don't really remember him that much from Warlock, but was he like that in there? Uh, he doesn't really say much. He's more of just like a like a, a background a, a force to avoid. Oh, okay. I mean, I think he says a little bit, but not too much. He's more. He's more the MacGuffin to avoid that's going to make Warlock turn into the Magus than anything else. Okay. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Although I think he was a pretentious jerk because he does appear in Doctor Strange a few within a few years after that. And I'm pretty sure he's a pretentious jerk there. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's where the personality came in, so. But, I mean, he d- definitely goes all in with this in-between concept. 
because he says, uh, their tortured souls were drawn together in the vampiric soul gem. And when the ship fell into the hole between the realms, the black hole, my existence could no longer be denied. But then he has trouble breathing, but then he remembers, eh, I can breathe or I don't breathe. Because Sue had put a, an invisible air hit, bu- uh, bubble over his head to try and, you know, knock him out. Oh. Yeah, that's why he did that whole thing where he's, like, grabbing at his face. It's yeah. They're doing, they're doing her powers without showing the little dotted lines. Yeah. <laughs> Which is almost like what it would be if you actually were there seeing it. You wouldn't see those little dotted lines we have in the comics. It would just all of a sudden be like, you know, be like you're a mime. You know, it's like, yeah. why is there a wall in front of me all of a sudden? Yeah. Yeah, that's usually how it would be. And we, yeah, we find out that Reed and Sue are back to normal. As she's not crazy and he's saying things like afraid. And it turns out that actually here's the three elders back there with them because it turns out they've been working with the in-betweener. Yep. Because <laughs> their new plan is to have the in-betweener kill Galactus. They got a plan. They're going to stick with it no matter what. So basically, uh, they just collect the soul gems and then they get out of there. Yep, they're back to the real universe. They po- actually they pour. They actually no, sorry, they teleport out. Which is a kind of that page of them teleporting out is a really cool. Yeah, it's a very well done page, especially that little, like those uh, lights that go in, that kind of spiral in. Yeah, it's not them vanishing. It's almost like the unit, like the part where they're going to teleport to pop comes into the ship. Yeah. It's a very interesting way of, like, showing teleportation. Yeah, it's different than normal. So, yeah, Lim's definitely doing some experiment, you know, having some fun experimenting these early issues. And this is, like, some of his first work, so kind of interesting, like, he's kind of already doing this sort of thing, stuff. Although maybe, like, it's also... He's also trying to follow um, Marshall Rogers... A little bit with this. He's trying to make the Silver Surfer the cosmic book. Yeah. I'm assuming. So he's definitely trying to do some cosmic type imagery here. Like Kirby, like Jim Starlin, Steve Ditko, like that kind of stuff. Exactly. Well, I mean, he's not going to copy Kirby. I mean, I guess it makes sense. You know, are you going to copy, you know, Kirby and, you know, Busima, for instance? Yeah. Or try and do something new and different. Yeah, and it generally... Kirby would probably appreciate more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Kirby would appreciate you trying something different instead of just copying him. Yeah. Because, I mean, hell, Kirby would do, like, you know, 12 new things on a page. Yeah, he, he would constantly experiment, and, you know, that's... something like the... You know, the best comic artists always kind of do something that's beyond that. Yeah. Oh, no, definitely. I mean, think about uh, Starenko. I mean, yeah, he oh, yeah, didn't draw that many books. But because of what he did and the few he did, the few issues he did do. People still talked about his stuff for years. Yeah, and it, it had a lot of influence. Like, I was just reading um, Marvel. It's It's like this big comic that uh, Alex Ross did and there's like um, Greg uh, Smallwood who I believe does the human target for DC like he did a really good like Jim Steranko inspired uh, Nick Fury story hmm oh that's cool 
But yeah, no, you're right. And I'm also thinking of like someone like Art Adams. Oh yeah, Art Adams is definitely like a yeah. I mean, he was a big yeah. Sorry, go on. You can you can see it, yeah, in in Art Adams as well. Yeah, but I'm also thinking of his influence. I mean, think about it. Art Adams didn't draw that many books. Yeah, especially not a lot of like mainstream. Like I watched like I, that video. Uh, Comic Tropes did a video on um art adams and yeah he didn't do a whole lot of mainstream work yeah really. but he was definitely cited a lot by like especially like the, a lot of the guys who formed image as yeah, like a big like, influence on them yeah like rob liefeld eric larson yeah you could see that influence yeah and it's not like he was drawing you know he didn't draw you know avengers for like 40 issues or something <laughs> In all his decades of publishing history, one event has affected Superman more than any other. Worlds lived, worlds died, and that was only the beginning. Superman was never the same. Presenting Superman in Crisis. Available weekly from January 3rd, 2022 at com. He did like, okay, Warlock, you know, I did a, I did a lo- long shot miniseries, and then I did an X-Men annual, and then a new mutant special, and another X-Men annual. You know, an Excalibur special. It's like often said, like, I think Rob Liefeld took a lot of like a lot of his work is taken from art. A lot of his style is taken from Art Adams. Oh yeah, you could definitely see that. And I, sometimes it borders on plagiarism, I think. But like, I don't really know that much about that. But either way, I like the fact that Lim's trying this stuff. That's cool. Yeah, that's make cool. Your, make it your own. Don't just copy especially, the people before you. Again, like especially very the, this early in like his mainstream career. Just like trying this stuff right at the gate. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Sometimes when you're new at something, you don't know what you what you're not. You know, you don't have the knowledge of what you should, quote unquote, what you shouldn't do. Yeah. And I'm not saying he shouldn't do it, but you're not. You know, you don't. You don't. You just like, yeah, I'm gonna try something new and different and cool. And sometimes it does work, and I think at least some of the stuff here does work. Like we said, especially this teleportation page. So now the concern, of course, is. That they're teleported away. Not only they're trying to kill Galactus, but guess who's on the ship with Galactus? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Nova, and more importantly for them, Franklin. Kind of an interesting choice here. They send out um, the Punisher to fight the Inbetweener, but not not even as they say in the caption, it's not no relation to the guy with the big guns. No relation. Yeah, parentheses. Though there is a resemblance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they send out the the old like the Galactus's other robot, the Punisher. Yeah, and it clocks the in betweener one, and then it does the thing which it did back then, which I love the whole like rotating fists. That's a really cool like effect, like like you know the the fists just like coming down in a circle, like the way that works. That's a really cool like effect. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like he's fighting a cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, it doesn't matter because he is the in-betweener, so 
he comes to know the force which animates this particular form of life and summers its polar opposite and kills the Punisher. Nova tries to stop them, but of course, you know, she can't stand up against them all. And they find Galactus with only Franklin in front of him. And then, like, the in-betweener just, like, dismisses him, like, that's eh, irrelevant. It is Galactus who has drawn me here. Dismisses him, even though, you know, the reader knows, like, Franklin is pretty powerful. But at this point, he had put blocks that he... He had put blocks in himself, so he really only has, like, his... For the most part, he has his precognitive dreams and uh, can, like, send his his psychic form out. Ah, okay. Yeah. Because at least those are the powers he's exe- he was exhibiting in Power Pack around this time. Okay. So so he just he could just, like, project his, his own... Okay. It's kind of like... It's like, an, it's like projecting his astral form, except you, people can see... He can interact with people. Ah, okay. And, and it's in color. Because, you know, usually okay. when they draw Doctor Strange's astral form, it's black, you know, it's just like, it's, you know, pale white, like a ghost. Oh, so and so it's like that. Okay. It actually has the color, but, you know, you went, if someone went to kick him or punch him, it would just go right through him. And so the in-betweener tries to kill Galactus. But he can't. He can't, yeah. Galactus is new, unique in this universe or any other. There is no force to counterbalance his. The in-betweener solution is to just send him to the other universe. And then, yeah, and then toss him to the black hole. Problem solved. Yeah, and then um the uh and then the astronomer just goes you, you forgot but all our other elders are still in there. They're still in Galactus, like you it's kinda He's like, we need to get them out. He's like, no. In between, he's like, no. I've done what yeah. I could to honor my pledge, you know. We got over here. I tried to kill Galactus. Didn't work. We're done. And then you got uh, Death. Yeah, he summons Death. The one force yeah. that can negate them. And even though Death had made a vow not to take them, Death has no choice when the in-betweener summons her. Like, I am the balance. Am I not the balance point between ex- all extremes? Am I not death myself as well as life? And are you not dead? <laughs> so she just gets rid of them. Yeah, he just tells death, all right, I'm done with you. Go away. Be gone. <laughs> and death is not happy with that. Yeah, it's a skull, but you could tell. Like Her, her face is like a you know, skull face, but you, know, you could tell that she's not... Yeah, death is not happy. Yeah, so they send, they kick the whole, they don't just kick Galactus, they kick the whole ship through the black hole. Yeah. <laughs> Including Franklin and Nova. But yeah, they have a plan. Sure enough, and then, uh, really nice, again, really nice um, panel here with a lot of, like, random chaos. Looks kind of like, looks kind of like, like the inside of a cell, like, you know, just all this little stuff that's floating around. And then you yeah. get um, Master Order and Master Chaos. Yeah. Or Lord Chaos. Yeah, Lord Chaos and Master Order, because basically they have the surfer kind of signal to basically get their attention. Yeah, two lights burst forth simultaneously from both the ship and from the, the surfer. And that gets their attention. And so the surfer is like, Hi, I'm the Silver Surfer. Uh, the in is being kind of a jerk. 
let me tell you what has transpired. So he just kind of explains to them what has happened. And so apparently they are going to help because, you know, the in-betweener is like, ugh, he's such a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> and then we switch over to Galactus's tummy. And they're all still stuck there. They're so, all, at, you know, they're all they're all inside Galactus, and they're still they're fighting him from in the inside because they can't die. And then they're being well, basically, order and chaos are basically getting them out because they're going to help save Galactus. So I like the way this looks first, like the way the art is here. Like, well, first everything inside the stomach starts spinning <laughs> with the uh, with there were balloons even being spun around. Yeah, it's a nice touch, and then and even like the, their their words are all kind of screwed up. What's the happening? Is the death rat a Galacticus? <laughs> okay, yeah, it's the that's the that's the part of chaos, and then you get the order part, which is uh everything's all cubes and lines and straight lines and everything. Yeah. And even, like I said, that's a nice touch. Even the word balloons are now very, like, almost, like, typed. Yeah, they're square. Yeah, all and they're all the same exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and they find us, but there's a little white hole they can get to, and they run for it, and they basically climb out of his mouth. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then Nova and Franklin come out. Like, well, figured that was the safest place to hide. Franklin talks about, you know, he, he got his dreams. So, yep. you know. Yeah, his dream told him where the safest place was. Oh, yeah, and even Novian says, I was carrying Frank when his dream self led us to sanctuary. Oh. So, yeah, like I said, so that is, like I said, his dream, his dream self, that's what he called it, his dream self, you know, could actually interact with you. You just can't, by talking, you just can't touch it. Nor can oh. he touch anything. All right. Uh, but now like, Galactus is feeling better. He is pissed. <laughs> yeah, he looks, he's very angry in this one panel, just. And, and you can tell he's feeling better because he has word balloons again. Yep. <laughs> the in-betweener must die. Dun, dun, dun. And then that leads us into the issue number 18. Sure enough, it just says Galactus versus the in-betweener. Enough said. Oh, yeah, and we got this cool panel. The cover of Galactus just pounding on the in-betweener. Yeah. <laughs> Being that, the snot like, out of him. If that is like, and that basically sums up the entire issue. Yeah, pretty much. He finds the in-betweener, and the elders are watching, and of course the Grandmaster's like, I'm going to bet. <laughs> it's like, I, I bet the in-betweener wins. And, you know, Champion's like, no, Galactus is gonna win. I, 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 I know this. This is glorious. Like, this is the best fight ever. Yeah, they look, they look very uh, happy. Well, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the Grandmaster is basically betting on one of the ultimate battles of the universe, and the champion gets to watch it. Yeah. Let the battle begin. I'm get an awesome full page splash of Galactus, like, like in the cover, just pounding him in between her. Yeah, and then the Nova and the Silver Surfer are just looking on. 
And I mean, you uh, don't get to see Galactus doing fisticuffs too much. You know, he does not he does not beat the crap out of people. No, usually he usually uses like 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 dark side. He usually has like the rays like from yeah. his eye. That that usually does most of the work for him or where he has like gadgets. Yeah, but I guess there's not really many on his level. Yeah. They just spend like yeah, they're just wailing on each there's like this really good uh panel as well, like where he just punt a lot of really good panels of Galactus just punching, you know, the in betweener. Yep, and there everyone's just watching. Yeah, even like Nova, she wants to help, but then the Silver Surfer just wants to like just watch, like just kind of let them fight. Yeah, it's like Galactus must, you know, basically this is a battle for Galactus's identity. Yeah. Yeah, identity cannot be de- defended decided by committee. That's a that's a great yeah that's a great line. Huh? Yeah, I yeah. thought so. I thought that was like oh that's a, it's also pretty appropriate nowadays too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I might need to keep it for later, but all right. So he does you know, the Galact- eye blast. So he does do that at least. Yeah, and then Galactus says that you know he survived the destruction of his universe. I was born in a realm of gods unknown to anyone but me. Now I am survival because I am destruction. And he's—I feel like we're almost going to be have to be like ring announcers, like a wrestling you know match. Galactus with the eye beams. Oh, and the left hook, and then the overhand throw. <laughs> oh, face first into that moon, and that other moon too. There's a, another great line here, like when like the in-betweener goes, you are me, then the union of opposites. And like, no, I have the absence of opposites. Something those who live among opposites cannot explain. I am, in their words, Galactus. And that's like a great line, you know, just, you know, he, he is beyond, you know, this idea of opposites. Yeah, he's not anything like that. Wasn't that basically from now? I don't know whether it's apocrypha or not, but wasn't that basically supposed to be the original plan for the Galactus trilogy? Was like the basic line. Like I think it's supposed to be that Stan wrote for Jack is like, let them fight God. Yeah, yeah. The original was, you know, fight God because like you know they were fighting you know increasing levels of threats, but like they needed something to put it really over the top. Yeah, and Um, that's kind of what Galactus is here. And I was like, what am I? I am Galactus. Yeah, he is. Says everything. And that's always been like his thing. Like he is God. Like he is basically the God. Yeah. And then as the fight's going on, Franklin comes over and is like, Dad, what's an ultimate nullifier? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, damn kids always come up at the wrong time with the most inappropriate questions. (laughs) He talks about, like, yeah, and he said it comes to him in his dreams. Uh, no, you really don't want to touch that. That could destroy everything in the universe. It's like, oh, no, no, I dreamed it really old. I dreamed it, you know, clear. I can make it work. No, Franklin, Franklin, no, 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 oh, no, playing with the ultimate nullifier. No, don't, please. <laughs> and they're like, nope, can't do it. And then, while they're still watching the fight, Franklin slips off, sneaks into a spacesuit and Slips out of, spa- out of space <laughs> on his own. <laughs> what the hell of a five or six year old? I'm impressed. Very precocious. Yeah. Even that's like a, yeah, this facial that fits to like a little kid one. 
I guess it makes sense going over to Fantastic Four. It's like, what? I put a spaceship on it, jump from one spaceship to another. What's like, it's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Uncle Ben does this all the time. Yeah. I mean, they probably need to like fix the ship on like various points. So. Or maybe it's showing how well his dream self showed him what he needs to do. In his yeah. Journey, what his dream, not dream self, but his dream showed him what has to be done, but he knew exactly how to do that. But we go back to more fighting. Yep. Uh, you know, the in-betweener is, you know, finally, like, he's be- beating Galactus back. It's his turn to fight. The, the script, the, the plan of the fight is you have the first part, and then I get to, I get to, you know, push you, knock you around the second part. Yeah. And also another cool line here is like, I am all opposites. That makes me your opposite. So. Yeah, because Galactus has no opposite. So therefore, if Galactus has no opposite, but the in-betweener has no opposite, then they are the opposites. It just, I don't know if that makes any sense, but, you know, it's cool. Yeah. But and we got to back while the elders are watching, they're starting to go, you know. The in-between are actually forced death to take three of our brothers, so it looks like maybe we want Galactus to win. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we should be trying to make sure the in-between loses. Which yeah. is everyone but the Grandmaster, because he's like, I made a bet. It doesn't matter. We made a bet on this. We cannot get involved. I'm not getting involved. You know, we made a solemn wager, and you won't nullify it. And meanwhile, the Richards finally realize, uh, hey, didn't we have a kid? Yeah. <laughs> they They... Frank, where are you? Yeah, so they realize it, and then Sue kind of remembers like that when Johnny went to go get the ultimate nullifier in the Galactus trilogy. And then I forgot about this, but in Secret Wars, Galactus' ship was destroyed, and then he rebuilt it. Yeah, yeah, it was destroyed because he. I think he cons. I think he consumed it himself. And then he. It's been a little very long time since I've read Secret Wars, so maybe yeah, it's that's been why okay. I Yeah, I read it last year. It was actually the first time I read the whole thing. I'd only read like an issue here or there, but I actually read the full thing like a year ago. But yeah, from my remember, yeah, he consumed he consumed the whole ship because he used that as a power to try and go fight the Beyonder. Oh yeah. Okay, now it's kind of coming back to me. Yeah. But yeah, Franklin's like, oh, there's a nullifier, but then. Wait, why can't I get to it? Uh-oh. Because Mom put a force field up in front of you. You're, he's in trouble now. <laughs> Franklin, you could have destroyed the universe. Uh, hi, Mom. Because, <laughs> of course, the problem is not only could the Null of destroy everything, but even if it doesn't, it will definitely destroy the person using it. Yeah. And but that we, resolved, you know, there. Like, the fight kind of comes to an end when they, or, like, the fight kind of, they both kind of tumble into the black hole. Like, they're just kind of fighting into it. And Nova still wants to get involved. I like the, I, I like her reason. I, I can't actually argue for her here. So Surfer tells her, I told you, this is Galactus's battle, Nova. And she tells him, you told me it's a fight for identity. Well, I have an identity, too. I'm Galactus's herald. Like, it's like, I have to help him. Like, oh, you know what? I. Okay, you know what? Going by the logic he gave you, yeah, that makes perfect. You know, going by the logic the surfer was using, that makes perfect sense then. Yeah. She's like, I have to help him, and you're going to help me. 
All right. So, yeah. So the surfer just kind of heads to the masters. So, sorry, to the elders. And then he's like, all right, fine. Uh, that, uh, uh, he finally bows out logic. He's like, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm going to help you. Because, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah that makes, she makes a very point. <laughs> you make a good point about your identity. And, well, we're kind of together now. And so, uh, yeah, I'm not going to not help you. So if you're doing this, I guess I have to. I'm going to be too. And so, meanwhile, we got Galactus and the Inbetweener fighting through the black hole. So then. You know, or, fighting, or fighting at the edge of the black hole. And so, meanwhile, the Elders and the Surfer and the weapons on the ship basically kind of help push into the black hole. Mm-hmm. That's right. They blast them. They blast the Galactus and the Inbetweener to help push them not only because they're fighting in the black hole, but to push them through it. So they yeah. end up in the other universe. Because now in the other universe chaos and order are from full power and they're just like get over here yeah <laughs> yeah they just they kind of depower him like to our hours once he's over there he's all there so they can fully deal with him he's like and you people get out yeah like they're, they're just here. annoyed by this like they're just kind of annoyed by this they're like get out like they just kick them out this infestation Basically, yeah. they're treating it like they're just they're just tired of all this nonsense. <laughs> and it ends. The issue ends with a nice big hug of the surfer and Nova with Galactus watching. Which leads us into 19. Where we have the Silver Surfer versus Fire Lord. If one of the other uh, heralds, although I don't know how much of that we're going to talk about, because really kind of like the first half of this issue is really ends you know what? we've talked about it a few times this actually is a bit like the galactus trilogy we're like oh, issue yeah, 50 fine. halfway through ends the galactus trilogy you know the last half is like johnny storm going to college yeah <laughs> and that's kind of like this one the first half of this issue wraps up this story and then the next half starts up the next storyline basically the first you know the fight's over and galactus is like harold i'm hungry yeah, so that yeah, she he just sends Nova out to find another planet for him to eat. But I do like the fact that Nova's basically wondering, like, uh, is Galactus a little jealous? Yeah, there's kind of like a interesting thing here about Galactus is is he like attached to Nova? Like he he kind of has a personal fondness fondness for her. Yeah, and I mean the jealous—it could be jealousy. No, it could doesn't mean no. It's a jealousy doesn't not have to actually mean romantic jealousy. It could just mean I want my herald's attention for myself. Yeah, and yes, I do have a fondness for my herald, but does not mean a romantic thing. Or it could be who knows? I mean, it could also be that Nova might be the only herald that I can think of, at least up to this point, that did not go to Galactus basically with a uh, a deal. You know, like the surfer came to Galactus because he's like, don't eat my planet. Fire Lord came to Galactus. I don't know whether it was not eat my planet or not, but it was basically like, I want to find out what I want. You know, I need to know what happened to my friend. So I'll serve you for a time if you tell me. Nova's just like. This looks cool. Can I come? Yeah. Yeah, she seems to like willingly serve. She seems to like genuinely want to serve Galactus. Yeah, she just wanted to go do it. She's like, this looks like a cool job. Can I can I have it? Yeah. Can I go with you? You look, yes. you look like you'd be fun. Let's go party. That might be partially. Yeah. I'm wondering if that's partially it. Yeah. So, 
Meanwhile, like the elders, they just off. Like they just kind of. Yeah. They just like leave it. Is this like their last appearance before the Infinity Stop? Before like Infinity War? Or? Ah, possibly. Let's look up Grandmaster. That's the easiest one to look up. Because he's one of the ones more popular, you know, more often used than the others. You know, Grandmaster yeah. Collector. Yeah, and he's, I think he's the only one who's appeared in a movie, so. Well, the Collector. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, sorry, I forgot about the Collector. According to Marvel Wiki, and I'll let, they could be skipping it, but that's where his history goes. It goes basically from the, you know, the plan about the, to kill Galactus and said this plan failed and the Elders were soon confronted by an Infinity Gem seeking Thanos. Okay, so I guess, yeah, so I guess. Most they, likely, yeah, this is their last appearance before Infinity uh, Quest. Yeah, I'm looking at his issue appearances. It's uh, He goes from Silver Surfer 19 to Thanos Quest 2 and then Silver Surfer 44. Okay. And so most so likely, yeah, all of them kind of appeared, la- you know, next appear there. Okay. Nova offers to track them, but he's like, Galactus, like, you are both otherwise engaged because, you know, she has to go get him to find him a planet, and the surfer has to bring the Richards back to Earth. Yep, so he just does that, so. And so the surfer and Nova try to, you know, say goodbye cordially without being too familiar to each other. And Sue tries to ask about it. He's like, but you are being too nosy. Kind of like a cool rainbow effect for, I imagine they're going into hyperspace, so they're just kind of going to the speed of light. And then the last panel is um, our old friend Reptile. Yeah, because we don't get a full page in this story. We go right into the next one. Yep, so we're back to, you know, Reptile, who, you know, appeared a couple of issues before and then just kind of disappeared. After eating the Contemplator. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, we could do a quick bit of the end of the issue, but I mean, it's not as, you know, it has nothing to do with this whole Soul Gem thing. Yeah, that's fair. But basically, they're being attacked, and it's Firelord and Eros, or, you know, Star Fox, as we know them. Yep. And they're looking for Nebula. And we find out that Star Fox's power does not work on Reptile. You know, he's trying to make him happy enough to, you know, give him the information. He's like, get your hands off me, scum. Like the, I really like like Reptile is just kind of like he's no nonsense. Like he's just very like he, he gets straight to the point. Yeah. But basically, you know, it cut, pops up about the Silver Surfer because of Clumsy and basically it's like, oh, you know, he makes a deal with Eros and uh, well, at least a Fire Lord because Fire Lord, that's his whole purpose of becoming Fire Lord. He blames the Surfer because the Surfer left Galactus and Galactus basically recruited his friend to become his next herald, who was Airwalker. And Airwalker was killed. And so he blames the Surfer for that. That's kind of interesting. He was a member of the Nova Corps? Yes. Both of them oh, okay. Ah. Yeah, they're from Xandar. Okay, yeah, so, yeah, he says up here, the Xandarian vessel. I don't think either of their names were used in like the Guardian movie, the first Guardian movie when they go to Xandar. Yeah, that may, uh, like the Nova Corps appear, but yeah, I don't think like the actual characters are mentioned. Yeah, I, I think like the the name, like I think one or two names are used from the comics. I do sound familiar from the movie, you know, that was used in the movie, 
but I'm pretty sure it's not these names, you know, neither of these guys. So after the surfer has dropped the Richards off, he finds Nova because, you know, he still likes her. And they have a little ethical debate about Nova's picks for planets. And she's like, yeah. yeah, hey, look, everything we saw, yeah, proved to me that Galactus is definitely different than anything else. So, yeah, it's if he needs to eat something, he's going to eat it. Sorry. Doesn't matter if his life on it or not. And, you know, the server's whole thing was like he previously had led Galactus to planets with no life, but then Galactus just got hungrier. So he's just started eating planets with life on them. And there's also going to be some stuff coming up later about how his mind might has been was altered a bit by Galactus to make it easier for him to do that. Yeah. But that's going to come. I don't think that comes up in the Eagleheart run. That's more in the Starlin run. But at least here, the server says, I always attempted to find a suitable world without life. But Nova's just like, you know, whatever. And then, you know, Fire Lord and Star Fox come in. Yep, and blast them, and Fire Lord just gets Nova out of the way quickly. It's like, look, you're our friend, right? Let's let the, let them deal with it. Don't worry. It's all good. She's like, okay. Yeah, Star Fox, yeah. <laughs> See, he doesn't always do things by just making them want to love him. He's like, we're friends. Yeah. Right? So let's <laughs> just hang out. Yeah. Right, I mean, you have to admit, though, for a lot of times with these things where basically the way everyone resolves their issues is let's punch each other. Yeah. It's sometimes not a bad idea to go. How about we just let's just be friends for a few minutes. You're gonna yeah, think you're just, my friend, and let's just hang out here and chill and watch watch the other be fools. Yeah, yeah. But we get the Fire Lord surfer fight, and he does kind of beat Fire Lord, knocks him out. Yeah, but I guess Nova took the friend thing too far and goes, "Let me rekindle you," and she gives him a big kiss to you know light him up again, so to speak. Not that way. It's. Get your mind out of the gutter. It's kind of weird, like, the way they should, like, you don't see them, like, kiss. It's just kind of, she's, like, hugging him, and you see it from Nova's back. And Fire Lord looks like, what's going on? Yeah, he's he's confused. Yeah, he looks, like, surprised by this. And so is the surfer. There are a couple of good points here, even if they're not, you know, you're not going to agree with the people, you know, fully agree with the argument. Like, back when the surfer is arguing with Nova about Finding plants without life. As Nova says, all life dies if, if it isn't fed. That was always Galactus' thing. Like, he, he's not really, like, acting out of malice. He's just trying to, you know, survive. He's trying to yeah. not die, so. But then also here, what happens? Uh, what is it? Uh, when the surfer's talking to Eros, and Eros says, Stay back, please. I hate to use my powers on you, but young love is so beautiful to see. What about my, my, your love? How much could be worth if you can't even say the word? <laughs> and we find out that, yes, Reptile did direct them to them, to, you know, send, send, you know, tell them where the surfer was now. But the one who directed us to Reptile is the one actually that set us on this path. And it's like, who? He's like, Galactus. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting twist. Which makes you wonder how much of this Galactus was hoping would happen. Because he does have kind of a smug smile when they show him real quick. Yeah, like he, he looks very satisfied. Never like a good sign. If anyone wants to see more about what's going on here, go read Silver Surfer 21. <laughs> We're not going to be talking about that for now. 
Yep. But so that's where we ended up with the soul. That's what happened with the soul gems. So as we end off here, since that's pretty much where they're last going to appear. So the soul gems were held by the elders who popped away at the end of the story to who knows where. And the in-betweener, because the in-betweener will show up in that Thanos quest story, was taken, was cat, you know, captured by his master's order and chaos. Yep, so they, he's still in the other dimension. Yep. And that's because I believe he appears in that Thanos quest too. Because I think he still has one of the gems. So that's where they all, that's where they ended off before. But like I said, it, it was a fun little look to see what happened with the gems and what they were being used for. But also, there were more than I, I didn't realize when I, was, I planned to do this. There's a little bit of, you know, there's like nice little hints and bits of like, this gem is different than the others. And this one does something different than the other ones, too. I don't know if Inglehart had plans that didn't get forwarded and Starling, you know, noticed that and continued it. Or if it's just a coincidence. But kind of works out. Yeah. It's time to do the feedback, and this time we are talking about feedback from our last episode, episode 176, Surfing with the Alien, Wilderness Years, part 16, with guests Ren Chandler and John Wilson. On Facebook, the post about that episode got likes and shares from Magazines and Monsters, Jesse Starcher, Joe Sedano, and Derek William Crabb. On Twitter, got likes and retweets from Viet Nguyen, Days of High Adventure Podcast, Dano underscore Cosmic, David Finn, Capes and Lunatics Podcast Network, Alan Sharp, JohnReadsComics.com, Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, The Bat Pod, Jason Snake Venable, Chris Lydon, The Daily Rios, Anti-Wife Equation, Into the Night, El Carica, Rich Comic Fan, Ray Manta 82, Maria Paz Anazico, Classic X Books, Roger Preeb, WWDWRPG Podcast, Dave's Comics Heroes Blog, Clifford Riley, Shane Manzer, Bill, and Seeker Wars and Beyond Podcast. If you want to hear more from me, you can hear me pretty much every week on the LEG ION POD cast, found on the Legion Substitute Podcasters feed, links in the show notes. And on that show, we talk about the late 80s, early 90s DC Comics sci fi series Legion. That's one of the acronym, not Legion of Superheroes. And in fact, at this point, we are done with Legion and are now talking about one of its follow-up series, Rebels, from 2009. You can also find me guest starring on two other podcasts recently. On the Magazine of Monsters feed, under the Bronze Age of Horror Comics show, look for me with Billy D and Scott West talking about Tomb of Dracula 18 and Werewolf by Night 15 as those two monsters meet. And, surprisingly, fight. Also, over on the Two True Freaks Network, you can find me on episode 177 of Is It Jaws, where Paul Spataro and Shaw Whalen and I talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. And just in case you were wondering, yes, we will be covering Guardians of the Galaxy 3 here soon, but I wanted to watch it at least one or two more times, so we're going to wait until that is available on streaming, which means everyone has a chance to see it. Now, if you have comments or questions, queries, anything like that, here's how you get in touch. Send an email, resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. You can comment on that episode on our Facebook page. Just type in Adam Warlock or Thanos in the search box. It pops up. You can also like and share the episodes on there, and I will mention your name here. Isn't that awesome? Or Twitter, at AdamThanosPod, or on Tumblr, resurrectionspodcast.tumblr.com. Finally, this show is part of The Collective. The Collective was started by a few like-minded podcasters 
who wanted to network in the most traditional sense. It has become a repository for ideas, crossovers, and potential guest appearances, and you are going to hear a promo for one of the other collective shows in just a minute. First, I do want to mention something. Over on the Capes and Lunatics feed, under their Marvel Tales podcast episodes, go to episodes 23 to 26. They are currently covering, coincidentally, the Evolutionary War, which we covered some stories from that. So if you go to episode 23, they are talking about Silver Surfer Annual 1, which we did not cover at all. So if you want to hear what else Norm was up to around the time of the, of the episodes we're doing now, go over there. And also, on their final Evolutionary War episode, episode 26, they cover the Spectacular Spider-Man Annual and the Avengers Annual that we talked about the backup stories in this episode and last episode. So if you want to hear the rest of those issues, go in the show notes, look for the Capes and Lunatics feed, find them right there. All right, and now, promo. Hey there. Do you like comic books? Do you like superhero TV and movies? Well, come on over and check out the Capes and Lunatics podcast. We have such shows as Capes and Lunatics and Super Connectivity, where we cover everything new and current and popular in the world of superheroes. And we also have episode-by-episode reviews of the Marvel Netflix shows and a monthly discussion of everything current on the DC Comics character Nightwing and a few other surprises all the time. So come join us for the Capes and Lunatics podcast. And before we end the episode, we got one more little segment for you. John Wilson is back. Hey, John. Hello. See, there he is. Told you so. And we are going to talk about the high evolutionary backup story from Avengers Annual 17 from 1988. Because, well, not just high evolutionary, which we've covered several times here, but also some Adam Warlock stuff. Even though it's mostly, you know, stuff we already talked about before. In fact, this is referencing a story we talked about earlier on with John in the Wilderness Years. Mm-hmm. Seems like only yesterday, or maybe a year ago. Yeah, somewhere between them, between a day ago and a year ago. But this is basically referencing the Marvel 2-in-1 story from issues 62 to 64. So hold on, let me drop in a synopsis real quick so you know what's going on, and then we are going to talk about it for a few minutes. Backup story from Avengers Annual 17, The High Evolutionary, Chapter 11, Beyond Life. Writer, Mark Grunwald. Pencils, Ron Lim. Inker, Tony DiZanuga. Colors, Gregory Wright. Letters, Joe Rosen and Michael Yee. Cover art, Sal Buscema. Editor, Ralph Macchio. Cover dated, 1988. On sale date, July 12, 1988, with a cover price of $1.75. You can find this backup story reprinted in... Evolutionary War Omnibus from 2011, Avengers Epic Collection Volume 18, Heavy Metal from 2020, and Marvel Digital Comics Unlimited and other digital comic sites. The being known as Her is able to bring the High Evolutionary back from their discorporate form into his hit physical body. He tells Her, The Thing, Alita, Moondragon, and Alicia Masters that he'd been attacked by Adam Warlock, who for some reason thought the High Evolutionary had destroyed Counter-Earth but it's right. Hey, where did my planet go? They are able to trace the planet and find it had been moved by the prime movers of Tarkus at the request of the Beyonders. The High Evolutionary decides that instead of rescuing Counter-Earth, 
He wants to know what the Beyonders want with it, and goes on with the movers. What he finds at the end of the journey is a large hand, created out of star stuff, that picks up the planet and puts it in a stasis field, along with other odd-looking planetary objects. It's a curiosity. Seeing this and realizing how small he is in the universe drives him mad, and he heads back to Earth. There, he encounters the Hulk, and antagonizes the brute enough to get the Hulk to kill him, but the power of his armor eventually brings him back, and he now resolves to evolve humanity so that there will be nothing above them and him again. Okay, so this is the final chapter of both the High Evolutionary story and the high, and the Evolutionary War itself. Now, Coincidentally, it's also my favorite annual of all of them, I think. Right. I, I love um, the Avengers team in the main story. It's just fun. I'm trying to remember... We open with her giving new life back to the high evolutionary and his deific spirit going back into his body. And I'm trying to remember if we had that explanation of it in the original version of the Marvel 2 and 1 series. I'm um, fairly certain. I think so, yes. That she knew he was out there and basically put him back in his body. Because I feel like I remember being a little bit confused about where this god form came from and wondering how it was connected to what we'd done on Mikar's Marvel. But yeah, so we have all of that connect- connective tissue spelled out by Mark Gruenwald between last issue's uh, uh, chapter and this one. Yeah. So this is that whole story from Marvel 201 it- issues where the High Evolutionary comes back and he's like, Adam, blame me for killing, hi- destroying kind of Earth, but it's right there. It was there no, a minute ago. It's not. The planet was, I swear, that planet was there a minute ago. It was totally there, y'all. <laughs> where did I put it? <laughs> And they find out Captain Sphinxor stole it. Oh, that's right. And I think in the Marvel 2-1 story, we, we find out Sphinxor was the one who like sent some kind of hallucination at him that made him think the High Evolutionary destroyed the world. Oh, that's right. So that whole Adam thing wasn't a flashback to Adam so much it was a convoluted explanation. Okay, that makes more sense because... I mean, it, it's fine if it's a flashback to some, you know, unspecified point in Adam's life. He had life between Warlock 15 and and uh, uh, Avengers Annual 7. But I like that it, the reason for that appearance is given in the actual story rather than making that nebulous connection. Yeah, that was why he did it. Adam, of course, never knew that because at this point he was dead. Mm-hmm. And so we really don't get much more of Adam here because... We, but we do get a little bit of the stuff that ha- took that happened after that story. Because remember, at the end of that story, everyone left and the High Evolutionary stayed to follow where, where they were taking Counter-Earth. Right. And that's all we know. So this is him seeing this. Because remember, it was the Beyonders that, that hired them to move the planet. And we get and this whole image of this cosmic hand picking the planet up and dropping it down. <laughs> I feel like I remember us talking about the fact that Beyonders was plural here and how that was new information to me. That yes. the idea of plural Beyonders was something I knew came up later, but I didn't realize it was happening this early in Marvel continuity. Yeah, that's that's like the first of time Beyonders were mentioned, and then later on we got the Beyonder for all the Secret Wars fun. And then even better, we got Jerry, we got the Jerry Curl and you know leisure suit wearing not leisure suit. What would you call that outfit in Secret Wars too? I hear people call it a leisure suit, yeah. Okay. Then leisure it reminds me of Leisure Suit Larry, the uh, the video game. Okay. Then find and wearing a leisure suit in Secret Wars 2, which is my favorite version of the Beyonder because he's so biz- so insane looking. <laughs> and then we didn't read this where he basically hires the Hulk to uh, help him commit suicide. 
Um, but then the suicide just doesn't work because the high evolutionary can't die now. It's actually kind of funny that we're doing this now because the main issues we're doing in the main part of the book is the Silver Surfer, like the first year and a half of Silver Surfer, which involves the soul gems and stuff because the, the uh, elders are trying to kill Galactus using the soul gems. Okay. And the reason they're trying to kill Galactus is because they thought they were the oldest living beings in the universe. And then they find out about Galactus and that Galactus existed before. So he's older and they can't handle that fact that there's something older than them. And it's kind of like what's going on with the high evolutionary here. It's, you know, as he says, I have likened myself to a God, but if I'm my God, what are they? No, I'm not at all. God, I am nothing utterly insignificant. It's like, wait, if I'm not the greatest thing in the world, nothing makes sense now. It's just kind of funny. It's like, oh, similar motivations for both of them. Yeah. So he wants to die, so he gets the Hulk to beat the crap out of him. Because if I can't be the top dog, I don't want to be a dog at all. Yeah, I know. It's very... It's very entitled. Mm Mm-hmm. Which kind of fits, especially with the High Evolutionary, I think. Yeah. He's he's been on a weird journey, but it's always been about him being on top and him doing what he thinks is best and, you know, to hell with what everyone else cons- is concerned about because he's he's made choices that have dramatically and negatively affected the lives of, like, the Druze and, and others. So it's it's not surprising that he's making this choice here. Yeah. But, yeah, so he decides he wants the Hulk to die, but his armor keeps bringing him back. It's too powerful. So he wants the Hulk to beat him hoping that the Hulk's strong enough to beat the armor down enough that he can die. And he does for like three hours. <laughs> the armor's finally destroyed, beaten and broken enough, although he still has the kettle on his head. Mm-hmm. You think someone that godlike would have a better idea than have giving putting a handle on his own head. I'm surprised the Hulk didn't grab that handle and thrash him around and call him a puny god. I know. I was hoping for him to grab the handle and swing him and he make him hit things. But yeah, it's anyway, so <laughs> The armor's destroyed enough that he's able to devolve himself into, like, an amoeba or something. But, nope, the armor brings him back. And this time, basically, this leads off right into the beginning of the Evolutionary War. Giving his motivation for evolving humanity further and everything else that the Evolutionary War is about. Assuming it's about anything at all. Well, it's about him proving that he is better than all of them. Because if he can evolve mankind to be bigger than than the Beyonders, even... And he's the one that does, you know, then mankind is on top. And if he's the one that did it, he's on top of them. Mm-hmm. So he is the, he will still be the greatest. So, yeah. And that's it. So I do like the fact that, the, you know, when they do this, where kind of like the story ends up going right into the beginning of the original story. You know, yeah, story. it kind of serves, you know, it. It's what you'd expect from this backup series, right? You want the story of the high evolutionary where the story of the high evolutionary should go right up to the story you're currently in with the high evolutionary you want you want that gap to be connected it is frustrating sometimes when you get somebody's backstory and you're left with questions well how do they get from the end of that story to where they are now yeah yeah thankfully grunwald's good enough to do that like i said the only thing i was i wish he would have done is explain how the high evolutionary got a soul gem because we still have no idea how he got that mm. where that came from it just popped in there he's like oh yeah i got this soul gem here put on your head but otherwise, fills in all those gaps and brings us right back to the beginning of Evolutionary War. All right. Like I said, this is a little backup. Just a little, a little backup. 
Well, John, where else should people look to find you, hear more of your voice? Well, I have recently wrapped up the Superman in Crisis podcast, um, if I understand when this is coming out correctly. So uh, if you want to hear a discussion of the end of the pre-crisis Superman, beginning with uh, the first issue of Crisis on Infinite Earths and covering every Superman adventure from that point to whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, there's a year and a half worth of podcasts out there at uh, johnreadscomics.com. Follow me on Twitter at John Reads Comics. And if you like Babylon 5 or if you're curious about Babylon 5, then whenever we get to its 30th anniversary next year, uh, the 30th anniversary of the first season next year, we will be uh, releasing a podcast myself and Blaine Dowler walking through that very show. Hmm. And well, links for everything, well, except for the Babylon 5 show, because that's not out yet. But links for everything else will be in the show notes. So go check them out. All right. Thanks again, John, for being on. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, and we'll be right back with the end of the show. All right, well, any final thoughts on this story? Or this, um, issue, or this, this run at all, since we've done, like, 19 issues of the run? I, I enjoyed it. it. There's a lot of, like, really good stuff in here, a lot of really good um, artwork, um, a really interesting story, a lot of really, really good visuals, a lot of great cosmic storytelling. Yeah, we got some, we got some really good artists for this run. Yeah. yeah, we got the Marshall Rogers issues. Uh, Joe Staten did a couple of cool villains, and then Ron Lim. Oh yeah, and that's why yeah, Ron, yeah, Marshall Rogers. That's one thing I remember reading the article. Marshall Rogers was planning on leaving, and Staten was because uh, him and Inglehart were friends. Was recommended to be as like the villain artist, but Joe Staten said like I would have stayed on as the full time artist if they wanted me to, but you know they only had him as the villain. Ah. Uh. That's just saying he wasn't that he, he was a, he was a decent artist so I would I would have been fine if they had kept him yeah would have been good too I mean I I'm happy it was Ron Lim because I do like I said he was drawing the book a couple years from now when I started reading it so that's the Silver Surfer in my head but yeah yeah so, the state and stuff was good yeah I do kind of want to read like where it goes from here I I probably get like a I probably stop buying the individual issues just to try to buy a collected version but. Yeah, it was a good run. I really like, I really like this one. I really like what Ron Lim does, especially since this is, you know, some of his earliest uh, mainstream work. So, yeah, so it's nice to see, you know, you can see the uh, what he looks like. You know, you can see the stuff that's his, but you can see the difference between his stuff then and like ten years later and another ten years after that. Yeah, it does remind me. I. I you know, Warlock Rebirth number two just came out, and that of course has Ron Lim on him. On you know, he does the art for that, so I should probably read that. I really like the first issue of that, so yeah, I've been getting that. I sk- I've been skimming them, but I have not had a chance to read them yet. But I've been skimming them, yeah, it's a, it's a cool first issue, especially Grom, like one of the monsters from like the Atlas here appears. Oh, cool. I love that. I love when they bring back that stuff. Oh uh, yeah, I I really enjoy. You know, the Silver Surfer is probably my favorite superhero, and you know they use them well here. They do everything I you know really like about the character. You know, the like, there's a lot of exploration. You know, there's a lot of battles, a lot of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is the you know this since this was the only cosmic book at the time. This is where you get you know all that stuff. You know, you get the the elders, you get different concepts like eternity, death, chaos, order, in between her. You get the Kree Scroll War. 
it's a nice like way of looking at like what the cosmic was doing before you know the infinity war exactly yeah i really enjoyed doing this i really enjoyed looking at all these issues and i might probably read up a little bit more on the other like issues of Englehart and later Starlin's run. Yeah, no, the, the, this run was pretty, this one was pretty good, especially like those first 50 at least. I, I mean, I know other ones after that were good too, but those are the ones I can remember easier right now off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, since we've hit that time, time to tell people where they can find stuff with, with you besides here. Wonderful. I am on Twitter at Ren underscore Chandler four. That's my username. And then you can also read, you can see a link on the Twitter page, but I am on Medium at R-N-C-H-A-N-D-R-A-M-O-U-L-I-4-2. Um, I just published two movie reviews, one for the Movie Bros, the other for um, the Amazon movie, Anything's Possible. And then check out in... By the time you hear this, I'll probably have a third piece up. It's going to be a review of the Jack Kirby 100th anniversary celebration from DC. So Ooh, hopefully nice. it's up by the time you listen to this. So please check it out. And yeah, this should me. hopefully be up around the 18th of June. Oh, my birthday. Oh, well, happy birthday. Yeah, so my yeah my birthday is June eighteenth, so that that'll be that'll be nice. Oh, that works out well. That works, yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. Well, we'll be back next episode with well, there, I'm sure I have something planned, but I don't have it in front of me, so there's something. All right. All right. Well, bye. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production, and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peaceloveproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.